me of the various different things that came up um, is non-dual neuroscience. Um, and I think in a way, the, the core setup that I'm coming from is the idea that um, in order to understand myself and my place in the world, I can learn by analogy to thinking of a neuron in the brain. As I am an individual decision-making unit in a vastly complex system with all kinds of interactions. And that's really the same role that a neuron is playing. It's an individual decision-making unit in a vastly complex system, systems upon systems. And um, so I feel like this is sort of a, a collection of individual aha moments from my years, like in a biology class or a neuroscience class or in my own wisdom seeking, where I just had, oh, look at the, oh, look, uh, and seeing the, the pattern, something like an Indra's net accumulating uh, through all the little details. Um, so it's been a bit of a, an interesting process to kind of organize this into some sort of flow. I think the, the general way I'm, I'm wanting to go is there's a couple basic principles that I think have emerged to me as like, um, they, they sort of show up everywhere and I wanna highlight them, especially in the brain. Um, and so the first one is non-duality. Um, and really, I think I wanna build from a couple examples of non-duality going from more of hard sciences into the softer sciences and the personality. So I guess maybe in physics is the, for me, almost the definition of non-duality is the, the wave and the particle um, that from a, a kind of standard scientific logical view, you would have to have it's either that matter itself is made of particles or it's made of waves. And it would seem that it's one or the other. And yet what we find is that there's some kind of a truth that somehow is something like both or neither. It, it, uh, the full picture doesn't really fit within this either or perspective. And I find that that is really this kind of essential principle that cuts through almost everything that I've come to look at, um, these apparent dualities. I find that in the mind and body or the physical and the spiritual, good and evil, right and wrong. Um, in, I don't know exactly how this is everywhere, but in the US, the political parties, uh, in the brain, we see it in the left and right hemisphere, we see it all over the place, these uh, dualities that are not quite the full picture. My research was in brain networks and brain systems. But if you think of the, there are a lot of um, systems in the brain where they call them cooperating and competing. So maybe the best known one is the left and right hemisphere where um, the left is uh, about language and about concepts and labels, rules, and putting things in order. The right side is about emotions, intuition, it's, it's much more artistic or creative or present. Um, and even within this one, you have sort of ways where the, the duality is present, 
but it also breaks on itself. Um, so there's a whole set of research that's about how the two sides of the brain, if you ever have a region that becomes active on the left side, it tends to be that the parallel region on the right side also becomes active. So there's a lot of study about how the two sides are working together. And at the same time, there's a whole stream of research that's about the opposite. So for example, with language, your language centers, language is considered mostly to be on the left. So on the left side of the brain is where you have regions that are choosing your words and actually controlling the mouth and how you put those words in order. So the details of language, whereas the right side of the brain is controlling your tone of voice and the, the emotional content of the language. So if you choose to look at them from one angle, they're opposite. If you choose to look at them from another angle, angle they're the same. And there's something that emerges out of them being both somewhat the same and somewhat different that actually produces what we know as language that has both um, the feeling side and the, the pieces to it. Um, there's a whole other thread kind of personal passion for me around the edge between science and spirituality, how a lot of our common scientific perspectives are really including beliefs and assumptions that are essentially not scientific layer situation where we have essentially separate selves both alive within us and yet kind of at the at the surface level where we have our conscious social interactions what the brain is doing is it's trying to create one unified picture of me the self so it's another kind of entry point to this whole conversation of considering I can learn about the brain through either these large level systems, you can get down into individual brain regions and how they communicate with each other. You can continue going down to smaller levels, down to the individual neuron. And in some ways that you can learn lessons at every level of relating to how these systems interact. Um, so obviously, I think that parallels quite a bit with the, this, this struggle of, am I a self? Or in modern psychology or psychotherapy, am I multiple selves or am I no self? And in a sense, we really have all of these operating at once, um, which I think is another principle we learn out is beautifully shown in the neuroscience. Because like I said, we have the left and right hemispheres these cooperating and competing systems. But equally, as you learn about different brain systems, there's also um, front and back, where your front is decision-making and the back is really visual or sensory. Um, you also have the outside and the inside. So in a, in a general sense, the outside is our, the cortex is our most recently evolved part and where we imagine things. And the inside is our more animalistic, like it keeps you alive while you're sleeping. And so we have the, essentially something like the mind and the body represented in the brain. Um, and these are all alive at the same time. There's a mind and body, you know, the left and right are somehow 
somewhat mind and body. So this representation where we're asking um, a lot of science operates on this lower level about picking out differences. In what ways am I a mind and in what ways am I a body? There's also a lot of work that's focusing on how you really can't separate them. They are, they are two sides of one coin. And there's something that uh, I, I, I guess I, I find it valuable. I feel like in my own journey, I, as I'm navigating things, I'm wondering, is this a moment where it's better to come down to the level of dualities and considering or to go up to a higher level and focus on um, the unification or the truth that's beyond the individual grasp. Again, I, I have this kind of personal passion about noticing the places where science has drifted into belief and just sort of poking holes at where there, there should be more room for unknown as opposed to filling in and assuming what we do know. So one area that I find this interesting is looking at psychedelics and what, how do we explain the experience of psychedelics, what's happening? So sci neuroscience takes as an assumption, essentially, that the, the brain is generating your consciousness. We see that if we turn off brain activity, consciousness goes away. So clearly the brain is generated. That's essentially where most neuroscience research starts from. Um, so from that view, if you were to take a substance and it were to completely warp your view of reality, then it's probably taking you away from reality. It's somehow breaking your reality generating machine brain. But really that's starting from a quite a, a profound assumption that I don't think we have to make, or at least you can entertain that it's possible to have other explanations. And I think that's exactly where there are just a lot of questions that are not possible to address scientifically. So what I mean by this is if you make a different assumption, you see the brain more as um, like an antenna or like a filter. So if you think of a radio, the antenna is receiving all kinds of information and based on how you tune it and how you focus it, a certain coherent sort of message is received. So that's a standpoint where the brain is not generating consciousness, it is filtering it or receiving it. And from that standpoint, if you were to take a psychedelic and all of a sudden you have a wildly warped experience, then it might just be that something is changing about the way your antenna is, the way your filter is working. And if the, I think I could bring in even the statistics here. It just so happens that I, I thought that I started my PhD to do neuroscience. And I found out along the way that my advisor was actually the statistician in the neuroscience program. So I ended up in order to graduate learning the ins and outs of multidimensional spaces which means needing to, if I collect 10 variables, like height, weight, intelligence, happiness, whatever, up to that's data in 10 dimensions. And if I wanna ask a specific question about the data, I can create actually a, a hypothetical subspace 
and you project this higher dimensional space down onto a lower dimension. It's probably a little easier to do with some visuals here, but it's, it'd be something like if you could shine a flashlight on something. We are currently in three dimensions. If I shine a flashlight on something, depending on the angle of the light, you can either produce a shadow that helps you see what the image is, or a shadow that makes it hard to see what the image is. Or another way of saying it is you can, if I were to shine the light this way on the pencil, a large percent of the high dimension, the full information would make it onto the projection. And if you shine it a different way, then a low percent of the information makes it through. So anyhow, there, that's from a general principle and start of connecting the idea that we have uh, three physical dimensions, potentially more. You know, like a, a radio is essentially there are dimensions that we can't exactly access that the radio is picking up on. You know, they happen to move in space. So we can explain radios in three dimensions. But the question here is, if there is more, if we are, like physics is saying, if we are a 10-dimensional universe, then really I am a 10-dimensional being, and I happen to think of myself in three dimensions. So there's a kind of, with, with all of these different systems going on, we have this non-duality, we have this, I think there's this larger system, and I happen to be down here. In some ways, I, I can kind of conceive of this bigger picture, but really, I'm stuck down here in the world of dualities. So it's a sort of funny place to find ourselves. Um, and I, I suppose that's where kind of bringing this roughly to a close for today is I, I, I land on, well, what's important is I think one of the things we learn, I, I have this bias towards the, the intuition over the logic. Like with science, it's all about what can I prove to be true? In a, in a way, the essence of science starts from, I'm going to create a, an experiment, a scenario, where even if someone wants to disagree with me, I will force them through my observation to believe what I'm saying is true. And that logic, that, that kind of thinking can only work on certain kinds of questions. There's just aspects of life that don't filter down to that level of, that, that has nothing to do with choice. So with this in mind, and I, I have this kind of experience in data, I, I come to this question of well, what matters? And I think for me, the, the answer and what I'm wanting to explore in CCG and in this next chapter is, being aware of this balance and imbalance that the, if I'm going to bring data or proof, it's going to be in service of learning and growth and listening. It'll be in service of the real essence of life and what we're up to.